the first lesson this morning comes to us from Jeremiah 1, verses 4 through 10. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Allah, ah, but Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a boy, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck you up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. And this morning's epistle lesson comes to us from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are what we he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You don't have to earn God's love. You don't have to earn God's love. In fact, you can't. But nothing is free, right? Yeah, you have to earn good grades, right? You have to earn your wages. You have to earn the respect of your boss and your coworkers. You have to earn the respect of your friends. You have to earn that promotion. You have to. But God envisions life differently. You cannot be good enough. I cannot be good enough. You cannot be nice enough. You cannot be generous enough. You cannot do enough. You cannot love enough. But God, still God loves us. This is one of the aspects that separates Christianity from many of the other religions of the world. And it's integral to our, to our faith. But, but God offers God's love. 
And salvation through Jesus Christ is a free, unmerited gift to all people. So we are not saved by our works and what we do. We, we are saved by God's grace. The Apostle Paul tells us in the text today, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are God's creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead, ahead of time ahead of time, so that we should walk in them. This is great news for you and I. This is great news for us because none of us could meet God's level of expectation to earn our salvation. Yeah, yes, for all of us have, have sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. And we know that Jesus is the only perfect person who has ever lived. The use of the word kochame, the Greek, or boast, is perhaps subtle, but, but it is not accidental. The boasting is a celebratory or glory boast, a look what I've done kind of thing, a works. We too often take credit for the good works or results of our hard work. This draws attention. It gives glory to us as individuals, minimizing the goodness and the glory of God. Friends, we can't even earn our way into heaven, but God knows this, saves us from ourselves Anyway, we are transformed. We are transformed in our faith. We are transformed as believers. And the emphasis is that it's a gift of God. Embedded in Paul's text this morning is a sense that we are, there's a resurrected reality that's promised to us and it's already realized it's a conception of salvation, which is complete and total. Egotism and selfish preoccupation are both damaging to our being, that our spirit is not alive to God and to love. But God, who is rich in mercy, but God. Let's stop right there. Think about those two words. I've said them, I said them a lot today. But God. Think about those two words, but God. The bells and the alarms, the, the gongs should be going off. I don't think there are two words, two words that could be so significant. But God, I believe the two words contain the whole of creation, the whole of the gospel, the promise of life. But God is the testimony of all of us. But God, I, I, I'm behind bars and I'm a slave. But Joseph became the second most powerful man in Egypt. But God, I, I cannot speak. I stutter. So God gave Moses Aaron 
and he led his people out of captivity. But God, I'm, I'm too young and I'm too scrawny. But God said, no. So he equipped David with a sling and a rock and he took down Goliath. But God, I'm, I'm just a fisherman. And Peter became a fisher of men. But God, I, I persecuted your people. God said, Paul, no, you are the one I'm going to send out. But God, I'm, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too short, I'm too tall, I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, I'm too, I'm too, I'm too. But God, in God's great or rich mercy, loves us so much that God gave us the Son who was born, lived, taught, suffered, died, and rose so that you and I might live, to be born again and made to live. But God, but God never intends us to be dead and wants us to be alive We are made for greater things, to do greater things, to do wonderful things, empowered by God. And God sees us as a vehicle to bring transformation into God's world. Yes, we are saved. It costs us absolutely nothing. It costs us absolutely nothing, but it costs God everything. So God's grace and love may be free, but as Bonhoeffer says, it is not cheap. Cheap grace is the deadly enemy of our church, he says. I would say that it's our enemy, period. We're fighting today for costly grace. And how much does it cost? Well, when I was a foreign crude oil credit manager, The individual transactions and sales, each invoice ranged from $18 million to $40 million per transaction. Either you could afford it or you couldn't. It was, my job was easy. Can you pay 40 million bucks tomorrow or not? If you could not, you had to pay in advance or post a letter of credit from the bank, where the bank guaranteed the payment if you didn't pay the invoice. This, in a sense, is the essence of grace and of salvation. Our account, our account has been paid in advance. It's been guaranteed by Jesus Christ. And because it's been paid, everything can be had at no cost to us. Now God's grace and salvation can appear to be cheap, especially if we preach forgiveness without requiring repentance. But God invites us to participate in the resurrection now. Now, and witness to the gift of grace that we've been receiving, to sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There is a delightful assurance about our transformed state radiating through this passage. 
I love this passage. We are, we are already participating in the promise of the end of the age. We are participating in it. It's already a certainty into our lives. And there's no danger here of our salvation being in peril or taken away or being lost by our actions. The agent of change is God. And God gets all the credit. God did all the work. God did all the saving. We don't deserve the love that God gives. We've, we've lived a life that's eh, self-preoccupied. We've been manipulated by forces around us. But God provides the agent of our transformation. We're not responsible for the dramatic miracle. Nor can we take any credit for the role that, that we play, that we play as witnesses as to the kindness shown to us in the ages to come. We are recipients of a remarkable gift from God, the gift of absolutely everything, and it's free. But God's goal for us is a transformed life. We're playing a privileged role in God's plan. So we are not saved by works. We're not saved by what we do. We are saved for works. We are saved for what we do. We are urged to live a life worthy of the calling, just like the words I said to Michael and what I said a couple weeks ago for the rest of the elders. Received salvation a calling which we received. And salvation should stir something in us that matures over time so that the good works become our consistent, characteristic behaviors. And those acts of service should not be performed out of vain conceit or with hopes of, of personal gain. And again, our salvation does not hinge on those good works. They are an opportunity. They are an opportunity for you and I, for you and I to express our gratitude to God, to exemplify God's grace, and to spread God's kingdom here on earth. But God doesn't leave anything to chance. The good news is that God pursues us. God comes after us. John tells us we love because he first loved us. Paul tells us, but God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We so often talk about people finding God. But God's been there all along. But God is always searching for us. We are all believers and non-believers, God's beloved creation. But God passion, compassionately pursues us, pursues our hearts, pursues our minds, pursues our very souls before our first breath was even taken. But God chases us without tiring, trying to turn our face to hope, to love, God's salvation, but God, 
For those who are slow or unwilling to accept, God always is pursuing us in a lifelong marathon. My friends, God has come. God is with us this morning. God's spirit is moving in us. God is lifting you up. God is whispering in your ears this very moment to move you to do the work that he calls you to do. It calls you to do. But God, and the answer should be, whatever you need. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Ken Goodrich, and I'm humbled that you took the time to listen to this podcast. I pray that the Holy Spirit moves you to ministry and that if you don't have a church home, that you are able to find one. Please feel free to tune in on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 12.20 p.m. for our Bible studies, on Thursdays at 10 a.m. for our Learning Center courses, and of course on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. for our worship. Just go to fpclc.org to see all our various programs and events. Thanks again, and God bless you and keep you safe. May God embrace you and keep you in his countenance. Peace.